I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD Monday night, June 21st. As I am recording, as you are listening, it should be Tuesday, June 22nd. What's happening, everybody? I am RJ Carbone, and we are back with another episode of BD4. Hope everybody had a nice weekend. Hope everybody had a nice Father's Day. That was yesterday as I speak. Um, I am not a father, but... I hope that all the fathers listening to this, because I looked at my demographics and like all my listeners, I don't know why, but they're like 40 something middle age, 40 year old middle age boomers. (laughs) So I don't know where, like, where's all my millennials at? I don't get shit. I don't get shit. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, fix this real quick. But. Yes, I hope you boomers listening have a wonderful, or I hope you had a wonderful Father's Day. Uh, happy Father's Day to you. Uh, seriously though, it, it's it is a uh, I don't know what I was. I, I just lost my train of thought. I don't know. We'll get to the Yankees, but like, yeah. I'm just trying to think if I, uh, oh, I wanted to talk about the NBA playoffs, which have been fantastic. Um, well, it it sucks that the Knicks aren't in it, but outside of that series, which I'm slowly starting to get over, but I'm really not close to talking Knicks yet on the podcast. I still need some time, but the NBA playoffs have been good. And the other night I had my buddy over for the Nets Bucks game. That was Saturday night. That was a hell of a game. If that shot by Durant was maybe, a what, seven inches back? Seven inches further? We're looking at New Jersey versus, uh, now, Philadelphia in the Eastern Conference Finals. But instead, that shot does not... It's not a three-pointer. Instead, it's a long two by KD. That brings the Nets and the Bucks into overtime. And man, did the Nets get cold. I think they had one basket by Kevin. And the Bucks started out cold in OT too, but they finally got a few to go. They ended up pulling it away. And just like that, my night went from solid to absolutely spectacular. As a bitter New York Knicks fan, we get to see our little brothers lose. Our little brothers who went out and spent all that money and traded all their depth to acquire a super team consisting of Kevin Durant, James Harden, Blake Griffin, at one point LaMarcus Aldridge was even in there, Kyrie Irving, obviously. All that just to get one round further one round further than the Knicks. Hey, man. Just saying. I know. I know. The injuries. Blah, blah, blah. This and that. You still had Kevin Durant. You had James Harden at 50%, which is still something. You had enough. Oh, we only have two Hall of Famers. Boo-hoo. Feel bad for us. Or one and a half Hall of Famers. I'll even give you that. The, net, the, 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 the Nets lost. They lost the, and the Bucks won. And Giannis is going to have to figure out a way to, to start hitting jumpers because I am concerned. I am concerned. He has so many times in this in this series I counted where he had a guard on him in the post and he settled for a pull-up jumper or some fadeaway instead of attacking the rim. That's a problem. And uh, being a star player, being a number one option or one of your top options because we're going to get to Ben Simmons in a bit, and not having a jumper 
it's a problem. And, and Giannis has somewhat of a jumper, right? It's not great, but it's there. But it's not good. I wouldn't even call it good. So I'm a little concerned about the Bucks, ugh, about the Bucks, but then Sunday night came. My buddy came over once again, and we watched the. Uh, well, first off, I, I watched Sunday afternoon. I was watching the Suns beat the Clippers. That was very fun. That was, uh, you know, obviously the the Suns were without Chris Paul. And the, you know, because of the whole COVID protocol BS and the Clippers, obviously without Kawhi Leonard, and they might be out without him for a bit. I, I don't know if it's official that the it's the ACL, but if it's an ACL, like fully torn, he's done. If it's something he could play through, maybe he'll be back sometime in the series, but it doesn't look promising for LA. I mean, Kawhi is their number one guy. Paul George is great. He's having a, a bounce back postseason after, you know, the whole pandemic P thing. But yeah, that was a big win by Phoenix. And Devin Booker going off for 30 something points, uh, getting the triple double. Living, and I mean living in the mid range area. Like I say, I say it all the time. Look at who's in the playoffs right now. People want to call the mid range dead. Analytics freaks want to say the mid range is not an efficient shot, not good. Look at all the teams who are in the playoffs right now, man. The Nets just got booted, but Kevin Durant, mid-range guy, he made it. I mean, they made it. Past. All the guys who, all the guys who were in the playoffs Saturday. So if you start on Saturday, all the guys who made it to the second round, all their big-time players, mid-range scorers. Kevin Durant, James Harden, even. I'm sorry, not James Harden. <laughs> Shit. Uh, what's uh, Kyrie? Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Mid-range guys. Devin Booker on the Suns. Chris Paul. Both of them mid-range guys. The Clippers. You've got Kawhi Leonard. Mid-range guy. I'm just saying. Let's. These are all superstars who have led their teams this far. It's not a dead shot. And so that, that, that Suns-Clippers game was very good. It was so intense. The ending of the quarters in that game got really fun. Like it was a good game throughout. But it's like the end of the first half. It got insane. The end of the third quarter got really fiery. And then the end of the fourth was good but, until the sun started to pull away and, and they solidified that win. That was a hell of a game. But then you get to tonight, my buddy, came, or, or Sunday night, my buddy came over for the Sunday night game, which was the Sixers and the Hawks, 8, eight o'clock game or an 8.30 game. Um, Wow. You know, if there's one thing Knicks fans can be happy about, or not happy, but but I guess if you want to put a positive spin on losing to the Atlanta Hawks, it's that we lost to a team who is one of the final four teams left in the season. Right? So that's the positive. You know? We were all making our jokes. I was cracking jokes. You know, the Hawks are frauds and, and John Collins calling him lunch and saying Randall's going to go off for 40 points a night. And that came back to slap us in the face, bite us in the ass, and punch us in the mouth. But um, it turns out the Hawks are legit. The Sixers have some issues. The Sixers have some issues. And they're... They lost to a Hawks team who... Trey Young was like 3 for 107 last night. I tell you what, if Randall goes that, that bad of a night, the Knicks don't win. But the Hawks, they have incredible depth. They've got some white ginger named Kevin Herter who is balling right now. He went off, and he was the reason they won that game. And ones, three-point shots, strong takes, pull-ups. He was on fire. And the Sixers have an issue. They've got an issue, and the issue's name is Ben Simmons. Now, I know they lost. You could put a, a lot of reasons as to why they lost that game. Doc Rivers... His rotations were pretty questionable. I mean, why is you know Matisse Thybul playing with George Hill and Dwight Howard in the same lineup? Why isn't Shake Milton playing until the fourth? They had there were some questionable lineups that Rivers threw out there, but it all comes down to Ben Simmons. He can't be the lead ball handler on this team and not shoot 
And we, we make fun of Gian- like I said, we make fun of Giannis for not having a jumper. At least he has a I mean, he has a jumper, but it's not a good jumper. At least he has something to go to that occasionally will hit. Ben Simmons, he doesn't take jump shots. He doesn't take jump shots to a point where not even he knows what hand he uses. He shot 33% entering Sunday at least, which probably got worse because he missed a few more from the line. But the dude has no jump shot. No three, no mid-range, no close-range shot, no free throw. No jumper. All he can do is do that post hook or throw down a dunk in the open court. Scoring-wise. He's a great facilitator. He's an excellent rebounder. He can play defense. Very high-quality defense. But he is... I mean, in this league, if you're a top guy, you've got to be able to shoot the rock. Even LeBron James learned how to shoot. He was not a great shooter when he was younger, but he developed an average three-point shot. So that's why I'm not too high in the Bucks, and that's why I was not shocked whatsoever that once again the Sixers went home early. So you can put a lot of blame on Doc, but I'm just saying until you can you can have all these new coaches you want, Brett Brown, Doc Rivers, Joe Schmo. But I'm 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 telling you, man, as talented as Embiid is, and he's a monster. He's not advancing deep into the playoffs with Ben Simmons on his squad. I think they need to move on for him. I think it's just total confidence. It's it's all his mentality, Ben Simmons. He's just he's he's a broken player right now. You can't win like that. You can't. I don't know the financials. I don't know what his contract is. They might have just paid him. But that that Simmons Simmons over there it's not working because he's such a liability. You can use that extra defender, throw him on someone else. It's like I, I jokingly called him Alfred Payton with a dunk on Twitter last night. Don't take that serious. It's a joke. That was a little bit of an exaggeration, but like it's not. You understand my point. You know, you can at least do that. You can at least get what I was getting at. He's a problem, not in a good way. And that was that. It's Listen, it's been a very fun NBA playoffs. I've been enjoying the hell out of these games. We're getting a bunch of game sevens, and now we've got four teams left. we got the Western Conference Finals consisting of the Suns and Clippers. The first game just went underway. Again, where the Suns took it. And now we have, uh, I think it's on Wednesday. No, it might be tomorrow on Tuesday, or as you're listening to this, Tuesday is probably today. Um, the Eastern Conference Finals, which is the Hawks versus the Bucks. It's going to be interesting, but I'm telling you, their star player, Trey Young, can fling those threes. And they've got shooters around him. Giannis, not always going to be able to do that spin move on the drive. That Euro step. I mean, he's got to figure out... It's going to be interesting, man. When defenses start collapsing on his drive, how will Milwaukee respond? So, the NBA playoffs have been fantastic. That's what I was doing... On Father's Day, after I watched the Yankees game, I caught the Suns game. Then my buddy came over. We had some family over. We were watching the Sixers-Hawks. And, um, yeah, man, I, I went to bed right after that game. I was so tired. Well, actually, I had to do an assignment for class. But I've been meaning to recently. I don't know if anybody else watches that show... Yellowstone. Oh my gosh. Like there are very few shows I can watch and be into it without looking at my phone. That's a show where I don't need, like I, I, my attention is on the screen, on the TV screen the entire time. And am I the only one who still watches TV shows on the TV and not my laptop or or tablet or, or phone or some shit? I feel like nobody uses their TV anymore. It's crazy. I got to catch up on Yellowstone. Because no, it's coming back this summer. And I think yesterday they said it's going to be delayed. I don't know if that's a rumor. But the past two summers, the new seasons have came out at the end of June. I think June 19th in 2019. And then June 21st in 2020. 
I don't think it's coming out in June because we don't even have a trailer yet. And I'm hearing it's going to be delayed because they have to reshoot some scenes. That's what I, that's what I was reading about yesterday. And um, one of the actors in the show, the guy who plays Jimmy, forget his name, something Jefferson or Jefferson something maybe. He put out a, uh, an Instagram post saying that Yellowstone season four is going to be worth the wait. So probably going to be a bit, maybe August I'm hearing. But it's a show I am so excited about. But I have to catch up. I, I was supposed to try and catch up, but I, I didn't get to it. I have to catch up because it's it's three seasons. I, I think it's about 10 episodes a season, 45 minutes. I have to catch up before it comes back because I, as great of a show as it was, it's been so long since I've seen it. And I just remember, it's one of those shows, just like Breaking Bad, in my opinion, where it's so far, it's gotten better each season and that says a lot because Breaking Bad is in my opinion it's the top show of all time undoubtedly um, it's my favorite show of all time and if it isn't your favorite show it's probably one of your top three top five at the worst I've never met a human being who has seen Breaking Bad say that it's not their top three but it's it's like the perfectly written show so I, first of all if you haven't seen that Go see it. Oh, you know what? That might be one of the last few shows you want to watch. If you're if you're planning on watching a bunch of shows that you like that you want to see, watch those first and then watch Breaking Bad so you don't get let down after. Because that's the problem I have right now. Ever since I've seen Breaking Bad, there have been a select few shows that I've watched that I was not let down by. Like Bloodline, I loved. Game of Thrones, Sopranos, Lost. Sons of Anarchy, and maybe a few others, Yellowstone, and maybe a few others. Any other show, like I've watched a lot of shows post Breaking Bad, I've been let down because it's it's set such a high bar. But Yellowstone is one of those shows where I'm not let down. So it goes in that small category. None of these shows I just mentioned are as great as Breaking Bad, but they're right there in my in, in my list. But I um yeah, man, it's it's coming back this summer, but I just don't know when. But it's going to be interesting because there's so we they left us on a big cliffhanger, a bunch of cliffhangers. Like what's going to happen to all these characters? So that's coming. Maybe in August again. That was the rumor. Um, UFC two sixty four guys. That's coming July tenth. So it's getting closer and closer. A few weeks. Excited for that, man. Connor versus Dustin, the trilogy for UFC 264. They were showing some highlights. I follow the UFC on Facebook, and they were posting some of the highlights from their first fight together. They were both so much younger, and that's the one that Connor took. I didn't see that fight live. I have no idea how he won, but I did watch the second fight when Dustin embarrassed Connor. So I'm very intrigued to see how this third fight goes. It's a good card, too. It's not just the main event. Like, they've got... Um, Burns. Gilbert Burns is, is in the is, uh, the co-main event. Going up against Thompson. Greg Hardy is on the main card. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Fuck. Um, yeah, Greg Hardy's on the main card. Um, they've got a women's fight on the main card and that's always like I love watching the women MMA fights it's so fun to me just watching cat fights just rip each other because you don't see that shit often only in MMA you know you, you'll see bar fights with dudes fighting all the time and you'll, you'll see that anywhere but only in MMA you get to see cat fights maybe I just live on the wrong part of the world <laughs> Here in North Jersey, we don't get that often. Well, maybe you gotta go down to the Jersey Shore. I would imagine there's a lot of that. Anyways, uh, Sean O'Malley is back on that card. He's always exciting to watch. Interesting character. The uh, quote-unquote undefeated Sean O'Malley. So, it's gonna be good. I, and I'm expecting the main event. Poor Yagi and, and, and McGregor. 
to go all five. I really think it's going to go the distance. I don't know who wins. I really can't point a finger on who I think is going to win. Um, but I can say I think that Connor will be more prepared this time so he doesn't get knocked out early. So I do think it's going to go the distance. So I'm very excited for that. Usually go down to my buddies who hosts it. And we just have a good time. UFC is so fun, man. I, I'm so glad I, I came across that sport last summer. It's my it's become immediately become my favorite sport to watch. It is, and I don't consider it a sport. I say this all the time, but it's because it's like it's legit. You're actually hurting a human being. You're not playing with balls. Um, <laughs> balls, but um, it's great, 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 great event to watch. Yeah. Mm. You know what I really want? It's like coming all over my like Instagram page and, and Facebook. Whenever I'm scrolling on the internet, it's a constant advertisement I get now because I've been looking it up more. <clears throat> I want a dugout mug. Those things are legit. And this is not an advertisement. This is not a promo that I'm reading. This is me actually wanting a dugout mug. Um, I've seen them. I, I, I watched John Boy's podcast here and there. He's got one. I think that's where I got the idea. I think that's where I saw it first. And now I want one ever since. They're so cool. They're so legit. And it's such a simple idea. Like how, how did people not think of this earlier? Maybe it's been around forever. Maybe it's not something. Maybe I just discovered it and thought it's new but it's maybe it's I really have no idea maybe it's been around earlier than I think but yeah I mean simple idea dude just a mug cut from a bat a baseball bat the top of a bat it's sick and they've got different kinds they've got wine wine I was gonna say wine glasses but like wine mugs I guess but I want the one that's like a straight mug with with a freaking uh, the Yankee logo engraved in it. It's like 60 something bucks, so it's not too bad, but I'm cheap, so that's a lot for me. Plus, I'm broke, so that's what I want. I want a dugout mug. Yeah. Let's head to break. Let it, let's let's not waste further time. Um, that's all I've got for the intro. I mean, I was just rambling. I'm sorry about that. But you are listening to episode 259 of BD4. I am your host, RJ Carbone. This is ep 259. Yes, the Yanks beat the A's in opening series 2.0. You've welcomed fans back into the building. That's great. Love that, man. We're back at 100%. Now, the crowd size this weekend still wasn't 100%. You were allowed, you were allowed 100%, but we didn't get a full crowd yet for whatever reason. But I guess people are still hesitant. I don't know. But hopefully as we go along, more people start filling the seats. And it's, it's, it's something I'm looking forward to as, as bad as this team has been this year. Who knows? Maybe it's something that gives them a boost. I, I don't know at this point. But the good thing is they, now that everybody's back in, allowed back in, I am pretty sure, I'm 90% sure from what I was reading about is that they don't check for, well, no, that, that said, it said right there. So it said they don't check for vaccine IDs anymore. So I'm having read that I'm 90% sure that means you can sit wherever. There are no more vaccinated and non-vaccinated sections, which would be tremendous. And I'm, and if they don't check, then I see how I don't see how it wouldn't be everybody sit where they can, where they want. So if that's the case, I am so thrilled, then I'll be going for sure because I don't have the shot yet. Um, but I can't wait, man! I can't wait! I'll be going to some games, and I was very surprised when I looked up the tickets. The prices are the same as they've always been. I really, everybody was hyping it, like, like talking about 
how like they were going to be so much more because it's the first time fans you know fans are allowed back in this large of an amount since 2019 but no it's it's bleacher seats are you know, tomorrow tomorrow night's game or tonight as you're listening to this seven bucks is the lowest price and and the bleacher seats are the usual I was looking up the prices on Saturday 10 bucks it ranged from 10 bucks to 25 bucks the bleacher seats that's the usual so it's not out of this world insane like like you would think um so I'll definitely be attending some games pretty soon in the near future I'm hoping to get one I want to get to one by the end of the June by the end by the end of the month here in June but if I can't definitely be going to a few in July but yeah Yankee Stadium is allowed to be Yankee Stadium again that's going to be fun um yeah we, we played the Oakland A's this weekend a good solid team so we're going to rec- uh, we're going to recap this series two comeback wins versus the A's this this weekend by the way, why does Jed Lowry still have two friggin' helmet flaps? This dude has had that his entire career. He looks like a minor leaguer, man. Oh my gosh, it bothers me so much. Every time I watch him, it pisses me off. He looks like a scrub with it. Why do you have two? Nobody else in baseball has two. There's gotta be a reason for that. There's gotta be. But it's like, oh, it's so ugly. So a good win. Nice to have the crowd back. A good two out of three. Um, we'll break down the games, get into the offense, Gary Sanchez. We'll talk some Aaron Judge, and we'll talk more. You know, still some bad decision-making on the field and in the dugout. Um, Voight's back tomorrow. As as you're listening to this, he's back tonight. Um, Gittins, obviously, because of that, sent back down. Yeah, so let's head to break. Once again, if you're listening to this podcast... This is 259, episode 259 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Guys, if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, be sure to subscribe to us right now. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Anchor, which is our sponsor, if you haven't yet downloaded the Anchor app, you can do that, or you can go to anchor.fm. And if you want, you could start your own podcast on Anchor right from your phone or your computer, and they will pay you to read an advertisement, just like I'm doing now for Anchor. Easiest way to make a podcast. So you can listen to them there. And if you don't want to watch the podcast, you know, the video feed of the podcast, maybe you're doing so already, we're on YouTube, BD4. So that's um, that's all I've got for the opening here. So, guys, again, be sure to subscribe to us. Download the podcast. Share the podcast. Rate and review us on iTunes. Leave us a comment on YouTube. Share us on social media. All that fun stuff. BD4. No better way. We will be right back. All right, so, whoops, that was uh, the wrong screen. Um, yeah, it was it was a good way to follow up that Toronto Blue Jays sweep when we went to Buffalo and took three out of three. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, game one obviously wasn't the best. <coughs> we took the loss in game one. Uh, five to three. It was Jamison Tyone versus former Cashman Gem James Caprillion. Um, Tyone gives up the Olsen homer in the top of the first, one nothing Oakland. The A's go up two nothing when Marcana gets the RBI single in the third inning. Then it's tied two to two in the bottom of the third when DJ LeMahieu. Two-run dinger. Just his fifth of the season. Bottom of the fifth. Odor buys himself 
at least two more months in the lineup with the solo shot. Um, so a bad thing there. Three to two Yankees. That would be all they get off Caprillion. He ends up going five and two thirds, three runs, seven strikeouts. Of course, because that's what happens when the Yankees face former Yankees. It's like clockwork. Um, Oakland Penn shuts down the Yankee bats for a while for the remainder. Um, while the Yankees end up blowing it in their bullpen. Top of the six comes. Peralta gets two quick outs. But then he surrenders back-to-back singles. And then Matt, uh, Matt Kemp, uh, Tony Kemp. I wish it was Matt Kemp. Would made me feel better about this. Tony Kemp, who averages maybe five or six home runs per season, if even. Slaps a three-run shot to make it 5-3 to three Oakland off Peralta. From there, the Yanks go Litke and Sessa, and the game ends up being 5-3. They lose. Game over. Bats can't rebuttal. Just three runs on four hits, two walks, nine strikeouts, over 2 in scoring position. Listen, I had no issue with Aaron Boone pulling Jameson Tyone with just 76 pitches in the fifth inning because Tyone just can't face a lineup the third time through. How many times do we see this now? He can never do it. Every single time that lineup flips for the third time, he has no answers. And because of him, because of that, his inability to pitch the third time through, that domino affected into the loss. Boone was forced to go to a journeyman like Peralta in a big spot. And what does Peralta do? He's He does what he's been doing of late putting traffic on the bases and surrendering big blows. So he allows the home run to Kemp, who literally, again, does not hit home runs. But of course he does here. And then it ends up being the big blow. Another lazy, boring, dull effort from Jameis and Tyone. 4.2 frames, two earned runs. Ugh, he's so bleh. He's the most non-competitive pitcher I've watched on this team for a long, long while. He's slow. Just no rhythm out there. The body language sucks. He has no put-away pitch. It's the high fastball, and there's no secondary pitch that he has to get an out with. He can't finish off batters. He gets two strikes, throws some high fastballs, but when he gets the two strikes, he flops. When he gets there, he's done. He has no out pitch. How in the world do any of these expected stats say he's going to turn it around? Because that's all all these nerds are saying that Tyone has pitched better than it looks. That's such BS, man. That is such BS. Watch the guy pitch. You keep saying he'll turn it around with these expected metrics. Bullshit. It's, you've said that in April. It's the middle of June. We're almost in July. It's the end of June. The third. We're in the third section of the month. Get out of here. He's not been good. Expected stats are supposed to be used as indicators, not to tell you that he's pitching well right now. And that's not to say they're going to be true either. We've been using those expected stats from the start of the year. He's not been pitching good. And he still isn't. We cannot keep running Tyone and King out there every fifth day. I'm not saying one of them, ha- I'm not saying both of them have to go, but. Something has to be done with one of these guys. I mean, we can't keep throwing King and Tyon. These are two four-inning pitchers who give you nothing. Very bleh most of the time. It's, it's like four innings, two to four runs every single time both of them are out there. I am, I am say it's so boring when I see and check the lineup card every day. And one of the days that I see their names next to you know, the, the SP, I'm like, oh, it's, it's King Day. Oh, it's Jameson Tyone Day. Like, it's the worst. It's so dreadful. So that was the first game of this set. Um, again, just, just not a pretty game. Um, DJ Domeyu, Aaron Judge, Gio Urshela, and Odor, the four Yankees with hits. DJ and Odor. The two Yankees with a home run. DJ with two ribbies. 
And then again, like I said, Tyone, 4.2 innings, two runs earned, five strikeouts. Peralta, Litke, Sessa combined for four to third, three runs, five strikeouts. The Yankees lose. We'll get to game two as soon as we get back from break. Be right back. You are listening to RJ Carbone on BD4. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, you can do that right now. BD4 is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and you can also watch it on YouTube. There are plenty of other platforms to find this podcast. All you have to do is go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. And that will take you to where you need to be. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone in order to subscribe to this podcast. This one was the 7-5 to victory. The Yankees took the win. Domingo Herman versus Bassett. Yeah. Good win. Um, again, slow start. Top of the first inning. Here he is again. Tony Kemp. Slugger Tony Kemp with a solo shot. And that makes it one nothing Oakland. Excuse me. Top of the fourth inning comes Matt Chapman. Then with a solo bomb. 2-0 A's. Bottom of the fourth, Yanks finally on the board. Gio Urshela, an RBI single, makes it 2-1, Oakland. Top of the fifth, Matt Olson, a two-run single, 4-1, Oakland. Yankees in a bit of a hole, looking bad again. Gio Urshela had the whole splinter in his eye thing when he swung. Weirdest thing I've seen in a while. Um, but it didn't look good. Bottom of the sixth, though. Gary comes up to the plate off Bassett. A solo home run. Cuts the lead to 4-2. to two, Cuts it in half. Bottom of the seventh. And the Yankees finally tie it. First, they get Aaron Judge. The RBI single, making it 4-3. to three. So the Yanks chipped away in this one. And then you later in the inning, you had Giancarlo as the cleanup hitter with the RBI single to tie the game at four. So they were chipping away, but they finally take the lead in the bottom of the eighth. Gio Urshela again comes through. This time it's a solo home run. Five to four Yankees. Way later in the inning, DJ LeMayu, the two-run single. Seven to four Yankees. So the Yanks get some, some of that state farm. Some of those insurance runs. Top of the ninth comes Chapman. Makes it interesting. He gets a, gets into some trouble. Aaron Boone gets tossed, uh, but the Yankees eventually win. 7-5. Bass were, you know, they were in order. They were good. Uh, seven runs, 11 hits, five walks, seven strikeouts. A lot of two-hit performances. You had Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Gio Urshela, and I, I think it was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Clint Frazier as well with another... Uh, with a two-hit performance. <clears throat> Jesus. My voice, man. <clears throat> Gosh, damn. Pitching-wise, <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't the greatest. Um, what is happening with Domingo, man? Four innings. Four earned runs. Two bad outings in a row now. You know, he has the Philadelphia outing where he was shelled. And then this this outing against the Athletics where he wasn't good. He was pitching like a real solid number two for a while. He had a 3.12 ERA before these two starts where he allowed 11 earned runs and 8 and 30 innings combined between the two. So it went from 3.12... Before these two starts to a 417 ERA. Like I said, he was pitching like a real solid number two after he got the call up 
following the first two starts of the season he had. He, you know, a, co- a poor couple of starts, got sent down, brought back up, and he was lights out from it. You know, he was very consistent, very steady. He was a good number two to Garrett Cole. But these last few starts, <clears throat> the command lately has been off. And when Domingo Herman's command is off, as we often see, the home runs start biting him. Um, and, you know, these last two starts, last two weeks, we've heard this whole spider attack thing going on. So is this lack of command now with Domingo, we've seen it with Cole, is is it affecting Domingo, the whole spider attack thing? Was he using something and now isn't? Because today's Monday and it's been announced that umpires are now going to be, they're going to be checking in between innings in between pitching changes for this stuff. So just keep an eye on that, not just for Cole, but for all the Yankee pitchers, because this is something a lot of guys I'm sure were using. So the command was off with her, uh, with her mom, but I tell you what, man, nasty Nestor is at it again. <laughs> the punt guy who refuses to punt. He's fun. He's fun, but he's also been effective. You know, it looked like when he was coming into the game, this was another one of those throwaway games for tomorrow. Just throw him out there. Don't waste any of your top bullets. But he goes in there, and he has fun. He, you know, he's got the whole leg kick, leg kick thing going on, the hesitations, the arm angles, just giving batters a variety of different looks, keeping them uncomfortable. And he ends up doing great. He comes in the game with two runners on base, nobody out. And he goes, strikeout, strikeout, fly ball out. Then he pitches two more shutout innings after that. I mean, he's perfect for this role, dude. Perfect for this role. I think the three innings he pitched were perfect. That's it. You know, he goes any longer than the second time through the lineup. You know, he, he once he flips the lineup card, I think you take him out. You know, because then I think batters are going to start figuring him out, right? No stuff, just a bunch of antics and strategy. It happened, kind of happened when we had him in was it 2019. He had he came off. He had a hot start, but he came down to earth a little bit after people, you know, players started figuring him out. Hitters were figuring out that he's not really a anything other than a slop ball pitcher. But it's funny though. You would think this is some 36 year old journeyman with nothing left in the tank, just relying on craft to get by. But he's 26 years old, Nestor Cortez. It's 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 so weird to me. He's 26, and Peralta, who looks like he's about 47, is 29. <laughs> it's so weird. But nasty Nestor, he's been reliable. Uh, but obviously, it was a great win. Great job fighting back, and the Yankees, you know, a big night for Geo. And a, a good overall win for New York. Going to head to break. When we get back from break, we'll get to the third game of the set to wrap it up. And then we'll we'll go over some things from there. Be right back. Game three, the Yankees pick up the win. Two to one. Small two to one victory here. On Papa's Day. You had Montgomery versus Sean Manaya. I've always liked Sean Manaya. He's a good pitcher. He's a good solid pitcher to have. Like he could be a good number two. He's having a good season. Strong season. Uh, but yeah, it was two lefties, two southpaws, which is why the Yankees went right-handed heavy over the hot hand in this one is because they, you know, they saw the lefty and Manaya. Let's stack up on the righties. Uh, top of the first inning, another slow start for the Yankees. This time it's Matt Olson once again, a solo bomb, one nothing Oakland. 
That was Olsen's 20th home run of the season. He's a good player, man. I like Matt Olsen a lot. And I jokingly put out a tweet a few hours after the game. Matt Olsen is who Yankees fans hoped Greg, Greg Bird would be. It's so true. Or I said they, they or what they thought Greg Bird was because he was one of the most overrated Yankees when he was here. There was like that suffer insufferable Greg Bird fan club that would just make excuses for the guy. But I was hoping he would turn out to be who Matt Olson is, you know, a slugger, a lefty slugger who's going to abuse the porch and go out there with a smooth swing and just hit dingers and do nothing else. That was what I thought and hoped Greg Bird would be. But obviously that turned out to be different. Matt Olson's a good player. I would take a Matt Olson on my team any day. Um, got to do some tweaking with some other guys to, to kind of minimize the swing and misses because he's another guy who K's a ton. But, you know, takes replace somebody with him, I'll do it. But obviously we've got Voight. So there's there's no reason to, to complain about first baseman right now. Luke Voight's great. He's coming back. Hopefully he produces like he did last season the season before and the season before that that'd be wonderful but he's coming back on Tuesday so um lost my train of thought now oh one nothing in the first Matt Olson <laughs> then Monty settles in though for the next five and a third innings he, he goes five and a third he settles in quiets down and pitches well Manaya mows down the Yankees so it's a pitcher's duel for a while he ends up getting 11 strikeouts. The Yankees altogether struck out 15 times, had just three hits and two walks. But Manaya K's 11 Yankees. Um, bottom of the sixth comes, and it's Gary Sanchez with the big two-run double. Um, yet Clint walking, then Manaya with a slight balk. I don't know, man. Um, Judge then walks. Then you have Gary. He shoots one to right center for a double. And that's where you have the Yankees taking the 2-1 to one lead. Um, Lasagna comes in. Executes yet again. By the way, this guy needs an all-star appearance. Now I haven't... I, you know, I have to go and look at the other American League relievers. But I am sure I, it's got to be up there. His numbers are great. He's got seven wins on the year. More than, I think, every Yankees pitcher tied with Cole. He's got a 163 ERA. A 0 0.95 whip. And he's tied for the Major League average in outings with one plus innings. He has been nasty. That two-seamer... In on righties is filthy. He comes in. He does his job. He fucks off. I love him. He's going to be their next closer. I've been saying this for a long time. I would like that. He has nasty stuff. He throws hard. He's got a decent breaking pitch. And he gets outs. That sinker, two-seamer, whatever the hell you want to call it. You're not hitting that as a right-handed hitter. It's like, it's, it's, I'm not going to make the comparison because, you know, but it reminds me that like, like when hitters were so dumbfounded of that Mariano cutter, that cut fastball by Mariano, Lasagna's two-seamer has been good. I'm not comparing. I'm just saying that's his out pitch and it's a very elite out pitch. It was an interesting decision. Um, not to go Britain at any point in the eighth inning. Litke gets the eighth. But they did say, I think, after the game that they are just easing him back. So whatever. It didn't haunt the Yankees. Uh, top of the ninth, though, Chapman comes in. He walks the first two batters he faces. It looks like he hurt his nail. So things were looking pretty rough. But then he gets the ground ball to Urshela. Geo steps on third. He throws to DJ on second. DJ throws to first base. And the Yankees get their third triple play of the season. That's ridiculous. And it's their second triple play in a week. Which is even more absurd. 
it's just something that you're in the right place at the right time. You know, that's as simple as that. Literally hit right to Geo. Didn't have to move his feet at all. He just moved to, he just stepped with his right foot. He picked it up, moved it three inches to his right, threw it to DJ. DJ was on the bag, just gunned it to first. It was literally just, you know, it's it's luck sometimes. It's not even a defensive thing. It's, it's executing three guys, routine plays, doing it. It was different from the from the double from the triple play earlier in the week, which it was all over the fucking play, just piss poor fundamentals by Toronto. But this one was just being in the right place at the right time. Earlier this week that was the Yankees executing tremendously defensively, doing the right things. But this was it was just a routine triple play. We joke about that all the time. Oh, you know, triple play. It happened. Clint misplayed that ball in the eighth inning, jumping on a fly ball that he didn't need to jump on, just trying to look cool again. Just ends up looking ridiculous instead. They said, uh, Kay mentioned that it was a 95% catch probability on StatCast. So. Oh, man. But uh, outside that, it was a good game. Uh, Montgomery was strong. Five and a third innings, one run, six strikeouts. Very nice outing after that first inning. Just a quick mistake to Olsen. But the early struggles do keep happening. And I think it's it's him trying to figure out which pitches are working. He's got such a deep bag that it might, you know, and none of his pitches are plus plus. They're all plus. So he's just trying to navigate through his bag to see what he has today. And yesterday it was the changeup. He was changeup heavy. And then I would say it's the curve that was working after that. So we have the changeup curve combo working for him. Not much sinker. It was mostly just the cutter and the four seamer. And then, but his, his out pitch was the changeup, uh, complemented by that curveball. Reading some stats 61% swing and miss rate on the changeup. Um, curveball, 33% strike rate. It was a good performance. He he found it as he went along. So he mixed up his bag as per usual. But yes, it was the changeup that helped him navigate through the lineup twice. And he's that's who he is. He's Montgomery, man. He's a decent pitcher who's going to give you some great outings and a lot of decent outings. You know, his ERA, which I think it's what, four four three? Four zero three. I think that speaks exactly how he's pitched. Which is decent, you know. You look at his 14 starts, only one of those 14 starts have been an effort where he's allowed more than four runs. He just doesn't always go deep into the games is all. And a lot of that is Boone just yanking him with an early pitch count, with a lower pitch count than usual. But he's been good. Montgomery's been good, and that was game three. The Yankees pick up the win. Montgomery... Gets the ERA down to the low fours. His next start, if it's decent, it'll be into the threes. And um, he's 3-1 and one on the year. Alright, so when we get back from this next break, we're going to talk about a few guys, a few things. And I, I guess we'll wrap it up from there. Be right back. You can follow me on Facebook at r.j.carbone. You can follow me on Instagram at robjcarbone. And you can follow me on Twitter at NYSportsTalkRC. And if you want to follow along with the blog that I write, subscribe to It's My Opinion on NYSportsTalkRC.wordpress.com. Um, so, Gary Sanchez is really hot. There's that. Oh gosh, is he hot? He's confident again, man. He is seeing the ball really well at the plate. The numbers are up to respectability on this season. I mean, he's slashing a line that I would most certainly take if he finished the year with this slash line. Um, he's hitting 237 batting average. That's fine. At this point, that is fine. He's a catcher. This is a guy who's been below the Mendoza a number of times in the past years. 237 with the power he has, I'll take it. A 340 on base now. 
solid on base for anybody. For most players. 480 slugging. And he, you know, with those two numbers, he's got an 820 OPS. 11 home runs, 25 RBIs in 53 games. He's having a good year. He's having a good year. You could say it at this point that Gary Sanchez has had a good season. Um, He's had a lot of ups and downs. And, you know, most of this is... is the numbers are a little bit padded. But 20 games is a lot. His last 20 games, he's hitting 344, a 408 on base, a 719 slugging, and an OPS of 1,127. He's got six doubles and six homers during the span with 14 ribeye stakes. So his batting average jumped 63 points and his OPS jumped 101 points in that 20 game span. Yeah. So he went from hitting 174 20 games ago to 237 and the OPS went from 719 to 820 from 20 games ago. He's shooting the ball to right center again, man. He's using the all-fields approach again. It's liners. Hard-hit balls. O'Neal says this all the time, man. How he's taking these outside pitches to right. Into the gaps. They were saying it on yes. His lower half is still. There are less moving parts. There's no wasted movement right now in his swing. He's got a smaller leg kick, which equates to him driving the ball quicker. So, he's been good. He is hot. And he's batting third. Last two games, he they, they batted him third. It's something I'm a little interested in, but hey, he's raking. Everybody knows you know, how Gary is. He's a streaky hitter. When he is bad, he's repulsive in its most vile form. When he's good, he's unbelievably fun. Exciting. Thrilling to watch. But... It's always been about sustainability with Gary Sanchez. How long can he keep up that approach? That fun, unbelievably elite approach. How long will that be? You know, is it sustainable for him? Um, and again, I, I've talked about this last time, a few episodes ago, or maybe last episode. I like that it's not just home runs. He's hitting singles, and he's hitting a lot of doubles during this 20-game span. So it's it's something that is sustainable. It's not just that a bunch of these hits our home runs. It, it's, no. He's getting all kinds of hits right now, and that's the Gary we want to see. That's the approach we want. Taking, hitting the ball where it's pitched. So. And one thing I'm noticing, it's, it's, whenever Gary Sanchez is hot, are the Yankees? Is he a catalyst? He was bad last year, so was the Yankees. Two seasons ago, he was he had a good year, you know, to his standards. He was 237, the A28 something OPS. So he had a good year, and the Yankees were good. Now it was the season where his his first half was on fire, and you know, from like mid-June or something like that, he was awful, but he's been hot of late, so have the Yankees. I'm thinking he's he's like a, it's do the Yankees go where Gary goes? Is that a thing? Like like we've been talking about with DJ and like a lot of people say with Judge, is Gary one of those catalysts? He's still, you know, as dumb as a bag of bricks. That, that base running mistake, that base running mistake that he made was, he was oddly safe. He was actually safe, but man, it was, a, if he would have been out and the Yankees, if they weren't on like this streak where they've been winning games, it would have been another one of those, what the hell is wrong with this team? narratives after the game but luckily he was safe fortunately we we're not talking about that but yeah uh, but listen like i said if the bat remains sits in the 230s no lower and we get a bunch of extra base hits and a bunch of hits and the powers are there we will live with it we gotta live with it so he's been elite um he's lost 20 games so he's had a good season Good, strong, solid season right now. So I got to give credit to him, man. If we're going to criticize him every bit that he struggles, we have to credit him when he's doing well. And Gary's doing well. Gio Urshela, another Yankee who was doing pretty well lately. 
Gio is 296 batting average this month with a 315 on base, a 549 slugging, and that equates to an 864 OPS this month. He's got four doubles, a triple, and four homers this month. And that's through 17 games. He's been he's been good. He's been hitting the ball good. He's been solid all season. He's had some bad moments, but on the year he's been consistently okay offensively. He's not been the Geo of the last two years. He's a level below that, but he's still been there, been a positive impact as a baseball player so far this year. Um, he's striking out a whole lot more than he usually does, which annoys me. He's leaving the strike zone a bit, but other than that, I, I think he's been fine all year. Um, so he's been good lately. Who's not been good lately is, is Glaber Torres. Um, we all know the power is gone. It's vanished. It's, it's well gone. He's, you know, been without the power for two years, going on two years now. And that sucks. It, it's sad. He doesn't drive the ball anymore, but at least for a while he was getting base hits and getting on base, but since May 23rd, where his average was up to 282, he's kind of slumped. Actually, going back to June 10th, I'll be easy on him because I don't want to go... He, he did have a stretch from May 23rd to June 10th where he got it going again. But since June 10th, where his average was at 279, he is hitting 2 for 29 in 8 games. That's a 69 batting average with a 232 OPS... In those eight games, no homers, one double, no RBIs, 10 strikeouts, a double play hit into, and a 105 BABIP if you're into that, um, which is just saying he's not hitting the ball hard. It's not luck. He's just not been good. I don't know at this point, man, with Glaber Torres. I don't know. It's so disappointing to me. He's one of my favorite players. Like I, I thought this guy was going to be one of the faces of the game. He came upon the scene a few years ago, shocked the world. He had a really solid second season, and now he's headed towards the, the path that Gary Sanchez was on, and Gary seems to be finding it. These two have never clicked at the on the same year. They don't click together. It's weird. It's a nice little combo I'd like to see. And, and Miguel Andujar is starting to get cold. Speaking of, you know, one-two punches. Him and Miggy. Miggy and Glaber used to be those eight and nine guys a few years ago. Remember? It sucks, man. I miss when those those guys were, were carrying this offense. But now the lineup is... is right now it's Gary Sanchez. Um, and Aaron Judge has found it a little bit lately. Uh, yeah, guys just aren't clicking at once. And the offense kind of took a step back this series. But at least we're winning, uh, I guess. <laughs> you know, all in all, it was a nice series. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, nice little stretch for 5-1 and one in our last six. Uh, two or three against a solid, a good solid Oakland Athletics team. Um, but if you're asking me if I am sold or anything like that, no, I'm, I'm absolutely friggin' not sold. It's nice to see, but that's as far as I'll go right now. It's nice to see. You know, the last five wins have all came from behind, so that's nice as well. You know, showing some fight for a change. Um, but overall, 33 and 30, um, sorry, 38 and 33, which is a 535 win percentage, has us in third place, four and a half back from first, which is crazy. You know, Tampa has kind of hit a skid, uh, and, and we've gotten somewhat hot, so only four and a half back from first place. Um, but we've got the Royals up next. They are in third place at 32 and 38. But yeah, if you're asking me, do I fully believe this right now? No, I don't believe so. Um, yeah, I still think this is prolonging the inevitable. I still think what we're what you're seeing right now is fool's gold. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Who knows? But right now, I'm not buying into it yet. I need to see a little bit more than than sweeping the Toronto Blue Jays, who are barely 500. Maybe not even anymore. And then taking two out of three from a, a solid Oakland team. We need we need to, we need this to continue. We need them to keep winning. Like I said, uh, two series ago, they had 25 games on the schedule. After that Philly sweep, I wanted them. I want them to go 17 
and whatever the hell it is. 17 and 8. Yeah. That's 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 I want them to go 17 and 8. And right now they're off to a 5 and 1 start. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, looking good, but it's early before those the 25 games I mentioned after the Philly series is up to the trade deadline. So, if we can go 17 and 8 before the deadline, That'd be good. So we're, we're off to a 5-1 and one start. And that's that, guys. So we're going to head to break one last time. Once again, you're listening to BD4, episode 259 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, you could do that right now. Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, if you want to watch the podcast. Many more platforms to listen to this podcast to. Uh, we do Yankees episodes every series and Knicks episodes every two games when we're in season. Uh, I also have a blog called it's my, it's my Opinion. I recap every single Yankees and Knicks game. Um, and I, uh, if you want to follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you can find my link tree, which has all that information that I just told you. As my social media, the blog, and this podcast, the links to all that. So go to my link tree. Go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. That'll take you right there. So let's head to the, uh, the, the final break of the show. When we get back, we'll wrap up the podcast with the NYY NYK question of the day for 258 and 259. Be right back. In episode 258 of BD4, our NYYNYK question of the day was, which Yankees slugger set an MLB record when scoring 177 runs in the 1921 season? The answer to that question, 258, was Babe Ruth. Yes. That was the NYYNYK question of the day for 258. This episode, episode 259, our NYYNYK question of the day is During Joe DiMaggio's 56 game hit streak, how many of those hits were singles? All right. Difficult question. Difficult question if you're if you're not looking it up. So one last time, during Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hit streak, how many of those hits were singles? So message me the answer, or you can comment the answer once I publish this post, this podcast. So message me or comment on my social media once I publish the promo and the link to the podcast. All right, you could do all that on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of BD4. Episode 259 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And I'll see you after this next series where the Yankees will be taking on the Royals at home. Garrett Cole will be taking the mound for game one. Guys, thanks so much. I'll see you next time. Ciao. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Podcasting made easy.